Welcome in. These are the MMA Minutes. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Danny Gutierrez. Oh, Sean. What's going on, Sean? How are you? I'm good. How you been? I've been pretty good, man. I'm actually excited because this card is awesome. This coming up card that we got January 14th, it's on a Sunday. Yeah. One of the rare cards that's on a Sunday. After the NFL playoffs are done and over with, uh, games on Saturday and games on Sunday, I got the UFC following it up uh, on uh, Fox Sports 1. So there's games on Fox, I believe, NFL. Uh, so there's probably going to be a ton of promotion uh, during the games on Saturday and Sunday for this fight card. So trying to just bring in as many viewers as possible. People are already going to be around the TV, so you just got to switch over to Fox Sports 1, and you can watch UFC Fight Night take place in St. Louis, like Danny said, on Sunday, January 14th. Headlined by Jeremy Stevens versus Duhoy Choi. Uh, both guys returning to the octagon, uh, I believe both after losses as well. Choi coming off of a loss uh, against uh, Cub Swanson, Swanson. That fight of the year against Cub Swanson. I think Jeremy Stevens is coming off of a loss to Frankie Edgar. I think, because wasn't that back at 205? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, he's coming off a win against uh, Gilbert Melendez at 215. Oh, that's right, because um, he chopped him up with leg kicks. Mm-hmm. That's right. He, he chopped him down with leg kicks. I mean, he had a fight in April of 2017 as well. Lost to a, a, a split decision uh, to Renato Moncaya. Uh, so... Um, so, yeah, I mean, Jeremy Stevens. He's been uh, active. But it hasn't been doing anything memorable. Uh, I think the last memorable thing he's done in the octagon uh, was that win against Ten Burrell, which was a great fight. That was um, a great fight. And then the other uh, memorable thing that he's been known for recently uh, is Conor McGregor at that press conference where he said, I'm the hardest hitting 145er. And Conor McGregor said, Who the F is that guy? Who's that guy? Uh, that was the best <laughs> quote from 2016. I thought that was a good move from Jeremy Stevens. I mean, he got his name out there and now he's headlining these fight nights. So, hey. I think it's more he's headlining because he's the ninth <laughs> featherweight. And I mean, there's a reason he was at the press conference. I don't think he's headlining because <laughs> Conor McGregor didn't know who he was or you know, alleged they didn't know who he, he was. He was headlining a card for that press conference that he was yeah. promoting. So, Well, uh, well anyways, uh, <laughs> Jeremy Stevens hasn't done anything interesting <laughs> recently, um, at least in the octagon. But he you know, has that crazy knockout power that we've seen before. He throws so bombs. Um, he throws bombs. Interesting. Uh, again, January 14th is when it's happening. We're going to be looking at mainly cards, uh, mainly fights on the prelims, the FS1 prelims and the FS1 main card. Uh, there is a UFC fight pass early prelims. Uh, a couple, uh, two interesting fights on that one. You got uh, Arena Aldana making her return to the octagon. You also have uh, Jessica I, uh, I believe, you know, maybe at this point in Jessica I's career, if she, you know, a point where she really needs a win. Um, in my eyes, because you look at her record of late, it has not been good, and at least in the UFC it hasn't been good. Uh, started off with a no contest uh, against Sarah Kaufman, then lost to Alexis Davis, then got a win over Leslie Smith, and it's been four straight losses since then to Juliana Pena, Misha Tate, Sarah McMahon, and Beth Cohea. Uh, so, I mean, this is probably a must-win uh, for Jessica, and if she's not able to get the win, uh, might be her last fight in the UFC. So it's definitely something to watch out for on the early prelims if you do have fight pass and you're interested in those fights. But, Danny, let's jump into the first fight we were talking about. We're talking about Thiago Alves yeah, versus the return. Zach Cummings. Uh, it's a welterweight fight between the two. Alves coming in 26-11 and 11 in his career. Zach Cummings coming in 21-5. and 5. Who do you like in this fight? I really do like the return of Thiago Alves. You know, every time Thiago Alves returns, we see greatness out of him. And he is a great striker. He's known for that uh, awesome striking. Comes from American Top Team. Was the former number one contender at welterweight at that iconic UFC 100, if you remember back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a great jab, a great lead hook, great leg kicks. He's an awesome Muay Thai practitioner. But he's fighting Zach Cummings, and Zach Cummings, as soon as... Tiago Alves 
picks up his leg to kick or to knee, Zach Cummins is going to take him down. But Tiago Alves has done very well against other wrestlers who try to out-wrestle him and outwork him. The only other wrestler to outdo him has been John Fitch. But this is a different Tiago Alves, and Zach Cummins is a huge welterweight. So this is a very tough fight for me to call personally, but I really do like Tiago Alves in this fight. Yeah, Zach Cummins 2-6 and six in his UFC career, and you look at him, uh, he's really been win two and then lose one. Right now he's on a two-fight win streak, so that might play into it. If you are you are superstitious, uh, definitely some, might be something that picked, uh, plays into uh, your picking of this fight. But back-to-back submission wins for Zach Cummings uh, against Nathan Coy and Alexander Yakolov. Uh, and then you look at Tiago Alves, like you said, making his return last fight uh, was at uh, UFC 210. Uh, I believe that was Cormier versus Jones on April 8th, 2017. He got the win over Patrick Cote. I believe that was Cote's last fight. That was Cote's well. last fight. Um, and then before that, uh, lost to Jim Miller and Carlos Condit. Uh, then beat Jordan Mean and beat Seth Baczynski. Bic- uh, and then that was really uh, you know the fights that kicked off his other return. Uh, yeah. That was, you know, took time off. Um, after his uh, loss to Martin Katman back in 2012, then came back in 2014, got the win over Baczynski, uh, and then took a break from November 12th, 2016, uh, and then to April 8th, 2017, and then April 8th, uh, 2017, all the way to January 14th of 2018. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, who wins this fight. I'm going to go with Zach Cummings, though. Um, I don't know exactly where Alves is at. Uh, been a long break from him. I think Zach Cummings is a guy that you know it doesn't get a ton of credit for what he does um, in the octagon, but I feel like he's a very well-rounded fighter. I think that the fact that he's been active recently is going to help him, and I think Cummings is going to get the win here. Yeah, Zach Cummings is a really powerful wrestler, and like we said, that um, Tiago Alves struggles with guys who out-wrestle him, so we'll see what Zach Cummings can do. It'll be interesting to see what happens and how he looks coming through but we're gonna move on now james kraus taking on alex white kraus is a former uh ultimate fighter fighter right yes he is he's a former what season ultimate. was he on um he was uh, he was a welterweight i don't exactly what member he was uh what season he was a member on excuse me but he was a welterweight on that season i do remember yeah because he's very familiar looking uh, and he was on uh let's see uh ultimate fighter live which aired march 12th um, he was on the one with, um, let's see, uh, it was preceded by Bisping versus Miller and then followed by Carwin versus Nelson. Um, that was Cruz versus Faber. Uh, he was on that, that year. So okay. uh, that ended up being won by, let's oh, see, yeah. uh, the winner was uh, Michael Chiesa, beat Ally Quinta. Yeah. And he weighed it all the way, James Krause did, uh, to, he didn't actually make it in. So that's weird. I thought I thought James Cross was was uh, so I, I couldn't even make it past the uh, the the prelims I guess. He's one of the rare few. Yeah, uh, he was a uh, kind of like Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier tried out for the Ultimate Fighter, didn't make it, and now he's one of the top lightweights. Yeah, he was eliminated in the entrance round. Yeah. Uh, uh, Drew Dober was also eliminated in the entrance round as well, uh, UFC fighter. Uh, but looking at it, uh, James Krause, twenty four and eight in his career. This fight is happening at lightweight. Uh, both guys at 155. He's taking on Alex White, who is 12 and three in his career. What are you liking this fight, Danny? It's a very interesting fight at lightweight. Uh, James Kraus actually trains Megan Anderson, and her striking is actually a striking coach, the Invicta featherweight champion. Um, but James Kraus is a very good striker. Alex White comes from a boxing background. He's coming up from uh, featherweight. And he's actually a pretty good boxer. He's got some powerful hands. He's a very awkward striker. He's got some pretty decent wrestling. But James Krause is longer and he's faster and he's more seasoned. In this fight, I got to go with James Krause because if you look at James Krause and his combinations, they're much more crisp than Alex White. And Alex White struggles a little bit. He actually has trouble finding his range, if you notice. He's 
he, I mean, he utilizes his uh, straight punches very well to kind of measure the distance, but James Krause mixes it up together very well. So I'm picking James Krause. Yeah, looking at James Krause, he's really been finding and, and really looking more confident in the Octagon three-fight win streak um, as of late, dating back all the way to July 25th of 2015, most recently getting a win over Tom Galecchio um, in July 7th, 2017. That was a unanimous decision, only finished uh, one of those uh, three wins uh, against Darren Crookshank with a first-round submission. Uh, but he really looks confident out there. He looks like a different fighter. I feel like he'll be able to at least keep Alex White away from him, at least be able to do what he wants in the octagon. I feel like that's going to be the reason why uh, James Krause gets that win. It just feels like he's got a lot of momentum behind him. I feel like that's going to be tough to stop uh, for Alex White, especially with James Krause being uh, such a veteran in this game and being so well-rounded and being a guy that really has uh, a, a lot of experience in the octagon, I think James Cross is going to be a guy that takes that fight. Let's move on now. Talking about experience, Michael Johnson, a ton of experience yeah. in the lightweight division, moving down to 145. Yeah. So it's been a difficult cut for him. He is taking on Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins, 24 and 5 in his career. Michael Johnson, 18 and 12 in his career. Michael Johnson struggling at lightweight yes, as of late, but we know the knockout power that he has. Lost to Justin Gaethje and Habib Nurmagomedov. Then he got a win over Dustin Poirier. And then before that, had two straight losses to Benil Dariush and Nate Diaz. Darren Elkins just coming off one of the most unreal comebacks. Uh, well, not not comebacks, but last year had one of the most unreal comebacks uh, against Mursad Bektik back uh, on March 4th, 2017. Looked down and out, had to fight and come back. Round three was unreal. Uh, ended up winning that one uh, by knocking out Mursad Bektik and then came back with a win against Dennis Bermudez. He's on a fight, five-fight win streak. So are you going to go with Elkins, a guy that's comfortable at 145, or Michael Johnson, who has a ton of pot- power and a ton of potential uh, moving down to 145? Well, interestingly enough, both of these guys at one point in time were lightweight fighters. Michael Johnson is making his debut at featherweight, but Darren Elkins actually lost to Charles Oliveira in his UFC debut via triangle, and that was at, that was when they were at lightweight. That's when they didn't have the featherweight division here. Um, that was way back on versus actually mm-hmm. when the his US... first ever fight was against yeah. Dwayne Ludwood oh okay so that's but that's I mean that's he was on versus yeah and Dwayne Ludwig now is like a coach and he's been yeah, a coach he's... for like four to three years so I mean he's fighting guys that have been retired so Darren Elkins has been fighting for a very long time mm-hmm. um he's training with team alpha male and he's put together a great camp there and a great game plan and you see that in his five fight winning streak each fight you see him and he improves on his boxing he improves on his wrestling he moves well he's lying on his feet uh, Michael Johnson though is always lying on his feet he's a southpaw he's a very tricky boxer uh, he's got very heavy hands and he moves very well he comes he's actually one of the few uh, strikers that comes from a wrestling background kind of like Chuck Liddell back in the day who used to who was a wrestler that is a feared striker. So now um, this is going to be a very interesting, interesting fight. Uh, is Darren Elkins going to be able to take the shot from Michael Johnson? And is Michael Johnson's power going to come down with him to featherweight? Because that cut was a tough cut. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting fight to call. I'm going to pick Darren Elkins because he's been at lightweight longer. I think he's very durable. I think his wrestling and his pressure is going to get it done. And, guys, uh, that is very um, detrimental to someone who fights just like Michael Johnson that needs space and who moves a lot. Yeah, I mean, looking at Darren Elkins, he's only been finished once, at least uh, you know, on the feet. Uh, Chad Mendes uh, knocked him out in the first round of their fight on UFC Fox 7 back in 2013. Other than that, he was only been finished one other time, and that was, like you mentioned, Charles Oliveira uh, in the first round by triangle choke. Um, so, I mean, Michael Johnson is definitely going to have more power than most of the guys that 
uh, Darren Elkins has fought. But the one thing is when he goes up to that upper echelon of fighters, he's not able to pull it off. He has a ton of wins in his career, like we mentioned. He has a great record, 24-5, and five, uh, Elkins does. But when he fights you know, guys like Hakron Diaz, lost against him. Jeremy Stevens lost against him. Chad Mendez lost against him. Charles Oliveira lost against him. You know, he has a couple of, you know, really nice wins against Dennis Marmutis, especially most recently. But when he moves up to that upper echelon, he doesn't have that great of success. And looking at Michael Johnson, he used to be a guy on that upper echelon. But now we're questioning, especially with that move down to featherweight, where he really is. Right. I think that Michael Johnson's power is still there. I think it's definitely going to be interesting with the weight cut. But I have faith that Michael Johnson's still going to be able to maybe not finish Darren Elkins, but get some great shots in there and and, and at least be smart enough in the ring um, to because Mursai Bektik is is a, a younger fighter. Michael Johnson's been doing you know over thirty fights in his career. I feel like he's going to have enough experience to keep Darren Elkins away from using that power, using that explosiveness, using that ability to just really tough out a win like he did against Mursai Bektik. I feel like Michael Johnson's going to end up with this fight, and I feel like he's going to be able to bounce back uh, and, and get the win. But this might be his only fight at, yeah. at featherweight if this is such a tough cut for him that he's not been doing you know that that well you know physically. This right. might be his only fight at featherweight. So I, I think Michael Johnson's going to get the win though, because Justin Gaethje's still saying that you know the hardest shot that he's taken in the UFC and the hardest shot he's taken in MMA was from Michael Johnson in their fight. Throughout the whole card, this is one of the sleeper fights. This is going to be a very interesting. Fight, I don't think a opinion. lot of people are sleeping on this. I mean, Dar- people know Darren Elkins. People know Michael Johnson, especially at the end like this of this prelim. I feel like. Though. Well, why do you think that? I mean, you got Kamaru Usman, Paige Van Sant, Uriah Hall, the last fight of Vitor Belfort and Jeremy Stevens against the Superboy Duho Choi. This is a pretty significant fight at featherweight. I feel like this is a bigger fight than Meek Usman. I, I feel like people know Elkins and Johnson more than they know uh, Usman and Meek, and I feel like people know. Elkins and Johnson more than they know Paige and especially your opponent and Clark. I feel like people are sleeping on this I, fight still. I don't know. I haven't I haven't <laughs> heard a lot of talk, a lot of talk about this card, um, and most talk that I've heard about it, it's either been about you know, Vitor or it's been about Michael Johnson. So I, I don't know about sleeping, but I, Which I is think very it's, sad. I think it's definitely got fight of the night uh, ability. Yes. If Michael Johnson looks like the fighter we know he can be. Darren Elkins can take a shot, and these guys are going to go back and forth yes. like Michael Johnson did with Justin Gaethje. So it should be a, a very fun fight um, on the FS1 prelims. But let's head now to the main card. We got number 10, Kamara Usman in the welterweight division, taking on Emil Meek. Uh, I think he he has a Weber in his name, Weber in his name. I think Weber. I, yeah, Weber. Uh, Norwegian. Yeah, some, some – I know Ariel uh, Hawani uses uh, the, the Weber in there and uh, – uh, but uh, on UFC, they list him just as uh, Emil Meek. So uh, Valhalla versus Kamara Usman, 11-1 Usman is. Uh, Meek is 9-2 and 1 with 1 no contest in his career. Uh, both young fighters. Yes. Really like in this fight? Man, you know what? You want to talk about sleeper fights? This is going to be a very interesting fight as well. This is going to be a very explosive fight. Both guys are very athletic. Both guys come to fight, and both guys hit hard. Usman is a great wrestler. Emil Meek is very well-rounded. Uh, but Usman, he comes from that wrestling background. He has heavy hands. He's just starting to put together his striking. And he's got some pretty good submissions as well. Uh, Emil Meek is new to the UFC, mm-hmm. but we've seen his striking. He moves well, and he stuffs the takedown very well. He's very strong in the clinch. He's a big welterweight, too. And he is very, very heavy-handed. So yeah. it's going to be a very interesting fight. Pretty big welterweight. 5'11", he stands 
and he, and he looks bigger than that. Even like saying five yeah, eleven, he looks huge. And, and you look at uh, a guy and Kamara Usman. Kamara Usman's taller than him. He, Kamara he's Usman's, longer than him too, yeah. but he's got two inches on him. Kamara two Usman's, inches in reach on him. Uh, you know, six feet <clears> tall. But Emil Meek looks bigger than K- Kamara Usman. I mean, like you know, technically he's smaller, but. Like when you look at Emil Meek, Emil Meek looks just built He's filled and, in. And, and filled in. Um, so I mean, looking at Emil Meek, you know, he doesn't have that experience. Again, like you said, only one fight in the UFC, a win over Jordan Mean. Uh, but even then, he had a fantastic knockout of uh, Rusmas Palaharis. Rusmas uh, Palaharis, yeah, yeah, back in great fight. UFC uh, three uh, on May twenty first, twenty sixteen. That's when he became uh, one of my favorite fighters because anyone who beats Pal Harris is one of my favorite fighters because Pal Harris is so dirty. And I <laughs> hate, hate that fighter. Uh, but you know, so far, Emil Meek, uh, a very young fighter. Um, do you feel like he's going to be able to pull it off against Usman though? I think Usman's wrestling is going to get get it done against Emil uh, Emil Meek. I feel like Emil Meek hasn't felt anybody like Kamara Usman on top of him, and I think Usman's going to uh, is going to has a few tricks up his sleeve for Emil Meek. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with Usman. Eleven and one in his career, like. We said um, one finish or two finishes in the UFC. His first fight in the UFC was a, a second round submission, and then he obviously just recently finished uh, Sergio Marais um, back on September sixteenth, twenty seventeen. I mean, we kind of uh, a long layoff for him though. December tenth, twenty sixteen. It's gonna be interesting to see where he comes in. I feel like that's why I'm gonna take Emil Meek. He hasn't been fighting recently. hasn't had uh, clearance in his visas. Exactly. Um, hasn't exactly. been able to come over and fight. I feel like he's going to be motivated, especially get the win. I'm going to take Emil Meek because, like we said, he's technically smaller than Kamara Usman, but this is a good guy that's really filled out, and this is a guy that has shown explosiveness before, and he hasn't had the stage to show great explosiveness. He hasn't been in the UFC long enough to really make his mark. I feel like this is exactly the shot he needs and exactly the place he needs to make his mark. I'm going to take Emil Meek and, and Valhalla for victory over there. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Let's move on now to 12-gauge Paige Van Zant uh, making her featherweight debut. She was saying that she was going to be making uh, uh, the featherweight debut and be fighting for the uh, belt, and the UFC put a, the kibosh on that real quickly. But Paige Van Zant moving up to the recently established featherweight division in the UFC, and she's taking on Jessica Rose Clark, the Australian, 8-4 and four in her career with one no contest. Paige, 7-3 and three in her career, but most of those Fights are coming at straw weight. So what do you think Paige is going to look like, at least moving up to 125? I think she's going to look healthier. I think she's going to look stronger. She'll be lighter on her feet. I think we're going to see a different Paige Van Zandt in this fight against Jessica Rose Clark. It's really going to help because Rose Clark is a devastating striker at Southpaw. So she's got some tricks up her sleeve to set up Paige Van Zandt and try and knock her out. But Paige Van Zandt is a devastating wrestler coming from that team alpha male i know she doesn't train there anymore but from that team alpha male background she's got great mm-hmm. wrestling she's got great chokes she's got great pressure she controls uh girls against the cage extremely well i think she's very i think she's going to be very strong at flyweight i think this is going to be a very interesting fight and it's going to be interesting where did she move to she moved uh I up north to sacramento right no she moved to like a, a, a any like notable camp i don't exactly remember because I, I feel like she, I think she moved up to sacramento um, in a way, because obviously she moved away from uh, uh, Team Alpha Male, like you mentioned. It looks like she went back to uh, her hometown of Oregon, Portland, Oregon, and it looks like she's training at Gracie Barra. Okay, so yeah, I, I, I think and I think her last fight um, that she did fight against Michelle Waterson was when she went was in Oregon. I, I feel like when she make that move. I think she was. With, yeah, I think it was in between camps. I think it was. I think it was I, the, I'm sorry, in between fights. The Beck Rollins fight. I think she was with the the Oregon camp as yeah. well. Yeah. 
Um, but looking at Paige, I mean, you know, the the, the Beck Rawlings fight was definitely um, her, her coming, coming out, out party, party. Yep. and then she lost to Watterson, wasn't really even that close. Um, so I don't know really where to stand on Paige Van Zandt, and, and one thing with Jessica Rose Clark is that she was recently just broken into her home in Vegas, um, so she's got something that's weighing on her mind and possibly, you know, getting a performance bonus will definitely be uh, playing into her mind as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she's someone who's moving down, usually a bantamweight. Uh, she missed weight uh, her last time out uh, against Beck Rawlings. She ended up winning that fight. Um, I think ultimately I'm going to go with uh, Jessica Rose Clark. I feel like she's going to have that motivation with her recent robbery um, you know, being broken into her in her house, having that emotional trauma. I feel like she's going to be definitely trying to get a performance bonus so she can at least afford things that she had uh, previously in her life if those things aren't found. And also, I'm not really too sold on Paige Van Zandt as a prospect. I know that she's got the look. I know that she's got, you know, everything to become a superstar, at least in the media. But as a fighter, she's never really impressed me. And, and Beck Rawlings, defeating Beck Rawlings isn't anything crazy. I know both fighters have. But looking at Jessica Rose Clark, I feel like she has more of the um, motivation to win this fight compared to Paige. I agree. I think Rose Clark's going to win. I feel like her striking's going to get it done. Uh, she's a very tricky southpaw. And uh, we've seen uh, Paige Van Zandt get beat up from the outside and then get frustrated and not be able to close the distance. So I, I think it's going to be no different here against Rose Clark. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, if, if Rose Clark is able to at least uh, make the weight because obviously last time she was not able to. Paige should be absolutely fine though if she's moving up. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, on the weigh-ins, which will be happening tomorrow. Let's move on to the co-main event. We got Uriah Hall, the number 11th uh, middleweight in the UFC, taking on the number 12 middleweight in the UFC. And Vitor Belfort, Uriah Hall coming in at 14 and 8 in his career. Vitor Belfort coming in at 26, 13 and 0 with one no contest. This is not uh, TRT Vitor, though. No, it's this not. Is, this is old man Vitor who wants $10 million <laughs> to fight. So are you going with Vitor in possibly his last UFC fight to walk out with a victory over Uriah Hall? And Vitor in his last UFC fight against a crafty veteran like Uriah Hall? Man. It's weird calling it's Uriah a, a, Hall a, a veteran, isn't it? It is. It still a bit. seems like he is a, a prospect. Well, you're still waiting. Like you still feel like there's that extra jump Uriah Hall can take in his career, right? Yeah, absolutely. But he hasn't yet. No, he I'd hasn't. very much like for him to. But he's been around on the karate scene, the kickboxing scene, even before he entered into MMA. Mm-hmm. So, but he's a veteran in that sense. He's been around martial arts. Yeah, no, for he, he has a very been. long time, and so is Vitor. Vitor well, won. I think Vitor, Vitor's been around since I was born. Vitor won the UFC heavyweight tournament when he was 19 years old. Yeah. I mean, come on now. Dangerous fighter. Yes. I remember. Yeah, he, he made his debut February 7th, 1997. Yeah, that was I mean, that was, that was great. I wasn't born. That, he, he, fought, he fought three times uh, against Tate Abbott, Trey uh, Telemann, and then Scott Ferrozio. And one before night. I, before I was born. <laughs> like, it, May 30th, February 7th, February 7th. I mean, like... I was born in 92, so... So, well before you were born. You, you were probably watching that fight. <laughs> um, but, you know, Vitor, um, you know, he has a... You know, a legendary career, but he doesn't look like the same Vitor in his last fights no, at all. Doesn't. I mean, he had no contest against uh, Kelvin Va- Va- uh, Gastelum that was overturned because Kelvin Gastelum was smoking weed, but he still destroyed Vitor Belfort. Yeah, um, he has a win over Marquardt, but Marquardt wasn't looking Marquardt like the same. Marquardt just retired. Nate, he hasn't yeah, looked I mean, the same. Nate just re- retired, got destroyed by Gegard, got beat up by Jacques Arre, and then beat up old man Dan Henderson. I mean, this isn't the same Vitor and hasn't been the same Vitor probably since, I don't know, maybe even 2013. Since his, I mean, 
post-USADA Vitor hasn't yeah. been the same post- since post-USADA. I mean, come on. Vitor. So we look at all look at the wins that led him to his title shot. So he knocked out Michael Bisbing, right, with a head kick. Mm-hmm. Looked awesome. That was an awesome head kick. Yeah. And he, another awesome head kick against Luke Rockhold. And then another awesome head kick to Dan Henderson. To have USADA come in and take TRT away for him to lose to Chris Weidman and then to knock out Dan Henderson in the same fashion just to come back up and get on another losing streak. I feel like the Athletic Commission shouldn't have taken away Calvin Gaslam's win because it was so dominant. No, oh, no. And, and, I don't, yeah. and I don't feel like marijuana, marijuana didn't help didn't that, help that performance, performance at all, so... I don't know, but uh, this fight is going to be a very interesting fight. They're both southpaws, they're both strikers, but it's basically Uriah Hall's feet against Vitor Belfort's hands. Vitor Belfort might establish a ground game in this fight. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, he, and when he's on his back, he's awesome from the guard. He's got great arm bar, uh, and he's vicious on top and mount position. Uriah Hall does not want to get taken down, does, like, does not like to be taken down, likes to create space and move around the octagon, and utilize combinations and set his combinations up with his hands and then just rip one of those crazy devastating spinning wheel kicks Mm -hmm. so it's going to be a very interesting fight it i feel like this fight is gonna is it going to be interesting or you want it to be interesting (laughs) uh let's see if vitor belfort if he's training with farasa hobby i feel like he his veteran and championship experience can get over Uriah Hall. Because I feel like Uriah Hall's got some psychological demons that he doesn't necessarily factor out before the fight. Mm-hmm. And that's what's cost him in certain performances. So this being Vitor's last fight, I can kind of see Uriah Hall going, I don't want to knock out a legend in his last fight. And having that holding him back. Having that mental barrier hold him back. Because he said stuff like that against... Uh, Calvin Gastelum in the Ultimate Fighter finale. Mm-hmm. So it's just certain things that... But Vitor Belfort, I mean, if you put the pressure on Vitor, he tends to break too, so... I was going to ask the question, how early does Uriah Hall finish Vitor Belfort? <laughs> because I don't think this is going to be a close fight at all. I think Uriah Hall is absolutely going to blow up Vitor Belfort <laughs> because Vitor doesn't have a chin anymore. Vitor's slow. And, and, and the worst combination you can be in MMA is old, and not slow. have a chin, and slow. So <laughs> I don't see any way that Vitor Belfort wins this fight unless he's getting TRT again. Unless he's, you know, found the fountain of youth. You know, steroided, <laughs> jacked up, juiced Vitor Belfort from 1997 isn't coming back. TRT Vitor from 2011 to 2013 isn't coming back. You're I still right, like this is, fight. I still like this fight I'm going to like much. the fight because I think Uriah Hall is going to bring something interesting and knock the crap out of Vitor Belfort, and it's going to look real nice. He's going to get the KO If you guys bonus. could look at the face of Sean Anderson right now. I I don't think this is going to be a close fight, and I think Uriah Hall wins in the first round. Like I love martial arts. In. I love watching fights. I love— I, I do, too. I mean, I give both of these guys their props. I mean, I, just can't I talk, wait for I talk about these put... fighters as if they were sitting right in front of me. Um, oh, I I'm not doing that. <laughs> I know you're Vitor not. Bel- if I, saw, I would if Vitor Belfort was in front of me, I'd be quiet. I would not be talking. I'd be quiet. 
But right now I'm just looking at a picture of him on UFC.com slash event slash UFC dash fight dash night dash Saint dash Lewis dash January dash 14th dash 2018 question mark ID equals. So I mean like I'm right now not afraid of Vitar Belfort. Doesn't mean I'm not afraid of Vitar Belfort. But yeah, no, I'm taking I'm taking Uriah Hall in the first round. And it's gonna be a great addition to our, his highlight tape tape on YouTube. <laughs> you want to talk about this main event, Danny? You want to take oh, a break and gather yourself? <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm gonna take Uriah Hall as well. Oh, I think you are. Uh, <laughs> You're not taking Vitor. Any specific? I disagreed reasons? with you on every other card in this fight. <laughs> no, we've agreed on most. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Oh well. We we agreed about James Kraus. We agreed about uh, paying much attention to your opinion, Sean. We we've been agreed. <laughs> we agreed about Zach Cummings, James Kraus. <laughs> who who did you, did you say, Michael? You said Elkins. I said Johnson. Yes, I you said s- Elkins. You said Usman. I said Usman. Yes. Yeah, I said Meek. I mean, we, you said Page. I said Rose Clark. Oh, I said Rose Clark too. Okay. So I mean, we've been we've been a nice split. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's just too funny. <laughs> so, any specific reasons why you're you're picking Vitor Belfort? The or kicks. You're picking you're picking Uriah Hall. The, yeah, I think the kicks are really gonna keep Vitor away and really frustrate Vitor, and I think Uriah Hall is actually gonna catch him coming in with the counter because both guys are counter strikers. Both guys love to sit back and wait for their opponent to come in, overexpose themselves, and then crack on their opening. Uh, I think Uriah Hall is gonna be a little bit more patient. And I think he's gonna open up more with his kicks. And I feel like that's something that Vitor isn't going to be able to do is close the distance with his hands. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Vitor Belfort and how quickly he is knocked out <laughs> in the first round by Uri Hall. But let's move on now to the main event. Number nine, featherweight in the world, Jeremy Stevens, a little heathen. 26-14 yes. and 14 in his career, taking on the number 13 featherweight in the UFC. The Korean Superboy, Du Hoi Choi, with a 14-2 and two record in his career. Choi versus Stevens, who you got? I really like Duho Choi in this fight. I feel like after his Cub Swanson fight, the post-fight interview, I feel like I've learned a lot from this fight, and I don't care what happens. I'm going to train hard, and I'm never going to lose again. They're buddies. Did you see that? Yeah. Cub and Duho Choi at the last pay-per-view, sitting next to each other, smiling. Yeah. It was one of the great great pictures in yeah. 2017. Yep, and that great. was fight of the year. Yeah. Oh, he's always awesome. That was a great fight against uh, Cub Swanson. Uh, but Jeremy Stevens has fought Cub Swanson and lost. Both guys actually lost Cub Swanson in uh, what were great performances. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Stevens went against Cub Swanson in a five-round fight. Duho Choi went three the three-round distance with him. Both were fights of the night? Yeah, both mm-hmm. were great fights. Um, this, is, this is a fight that determines who moves up closer towards Max Holloway mm-hmm. in the featherweight division. Because, I mean, none of these, I mean, these after, guys are still two two wins away, probably, from right. being, like, number one contenders. But after, after Frankie Edgar, you know, after, you know, Ortega, after Swanson, I mean, who else is there? You, These two guys are literally fighting for the next spot, one of the eh. next spots, in my opinion. I think Choi is because he's so young, but I don't know about Jeremy. I think Jeremy needs to still prove something because if he beats Choi, the, the mindset then is that Choi is still very young, and he can't beat great fighters because he. I mean, he's now in that like top beating tier. Beating Tiago Tavares. Tiago Tavares is Tiago Tavares tough, is not, in the, tough but he's not weight. in the same range as Jeremy Stevens and Cub Swanson. I mean, these guys have been consistently top top ten featherweights in the UFC. I mean, Tiago T- Tavares really hasn't. So I mean, Duho Choi needs to make a mark on his career, and beating Jeremy Stevens will do that. But I don't True. feel like Jeremy Stevens will make a mark by beating Duho Choi. 
I mean, I, it, def- it depends on how decisively he beats him, in my opinion. I feel like if Jeremy Stevens beats Duho Choi, it catapults him in the rankings. I feel like Duho Choi, if he beats Jeremy Stevens, he's a little bit closer to a title shot because I, of his last fight. I feel like he's closer, but I mean, I don't know if he's. I think he's still got both fighters, but still have two wins. But both of these guys there. are very heavy-handed. Duho Choi's got a wicked right hand, and Jeremy Stevens just loves to throw well, bombs. And real quick, the thing is too. I mean, Darren Elkins with a win, he'll he'll move up too. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, and Yair Rodriguez is still around. Uh, I mean, I know. Hasn't competed you know, in a while. Brian Ortega is still there. Brian Ortega's been fantastic. He so, just I mean, beat like, Cubs once. He just choked yeah. him out. So, I would say Frankie and Brian Ortega are probably 1-2 next in line. And then you still have to talk about Yair. You still got to talk about, you know, uh, Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung, uh, Elkins, Stevens. I, I feel like with a win, they're not going to really pull away from each other. That's just my thoughts. Uh, I feel like... Uh... I feel like this fight establishes who's who's going to be the next top star in the featherweight division. I don't know if Jeremy Stevens can be the next top star. If he wants to. I, he has the potential I to. I don't but know. He's just Jeremy never, Stevens has been around for so he's long. He's never made—that's the thing. I mean, like, he's never made it years over old, that hump. I, I feel like he's not now at 31 years old going to be, the, a, few be years. a superstar. He's still got a few years. It's a very late Look bloom at Robbie for Lawler. a superstar. There's some late bloomers out there. Yeah. Look at Robbie Lawler. There's some late bloomers out there. Mm. There's one. <laughs> There's one. We'll see what happens. Duho Choi has got a wicked right hand. Jeremy Stevens throws bombs. I mean, they don't have they they don't do much else other than that. Jeremy Stevens is improved on oh, his this wrestling. Oh, slugfest. Yeah, this is gonna this be, be exactly. This is gonna this is gonna be a slugfest. Jeremy Stevens throws more kicks than Duho Choi, but in the pocket, both of these guys are extremely dangerous. But Duho Choi is much more methodical with his striking, whereas Jeremy Stevens is wild with his mm. striking. But it depends on what changes Duho Choi has made. Is it going to be a slugfest, or are we actually going to see some intelligence from Duho Choi? What are you Or expecting? Jeremy Stevens. The fan in me wants a slugfest. Yeah. The, the, you guys want but a slugfest. But now it's a five-round fight, too. Exactly. So that's going to definitely So it's going to be a much more methodical, thought-out process for both guys. Um you know what? At the end of the day, I got to take Tuho Choi. I feel like he's one of the up and coming stars in the featherweight division. I feel like he can cap it off with that right hand against Tuho Choi. I mean, uh, against Jeremy Stevens, rather. Mm-hmm. I think he could really get it done against Jeremy Stevens. Subconsciously, your mind is telling you to pick Jeremy Stevens if you're saying that Jeremy that Tuho Choi is going to get knocked out. You know that, right? Subconsciously, your your mind's saying that you want to pick Jeremy Stevens because you said that Tuho Choi is going to get knocked out. Did I really say that? No, you messed up. You corrected yourself. You said that you said that he's going to knock out Duho Choi. Subconsciously, your mind wants you to picture Jeremy Stevens. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Uh, I want Duho. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, yeah, I think, I think Duho Choi is going to win for sure. I think so too. I, I love the kid. I think he's so fun. I think he's so fun to watch. I think he's such a you know a sweet kid. He just seems like a really genuine person. Not saying that Jeremy Stevens doesn't, but Duho Choi. <laughs> I feel like at least you know as a fan, I want him to win. I feel like that's going to be pushing more of it. I, I think Jeremy Stevens can catch him at any moment. And knock I think him the out. fans will win in this fight. I think so too. But knowing <laughs> this, it's probably going to be a five round decision. Um, but looking at it, taking it all in, I think that Duhoi Choi is going to take this one. I, I feel like Jeremy Stevens easily can catch him and, and turn the lights off that quick, but we saw that Duhoi Choi can take a punch, and I feel like he'll be able to take a punch from Jeremy Stevens and be able to at least you know, possibly counter, get Jeremy Stevens backing up, and, and win either by knocking him out in the third or later or taking it to a decision in five. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens on UFC St. Louis between Duho Choi and Jeremy Stevens.
Uh, final thoughts, UFC 219 was uh, a thing. It happened January 30th. Chris Cyborg getting yes. the win there over Holly Holm. Pretty, January uh, 30th? It's January 13th. December 30th. Uh, December 30th, 2017. Uh, getting the win pretty, unanimous, pretty unanimously and pretty dominantly over Holly Holm. Uh, what are yes. your thoughts on Cyborg's win? Uh, it was a very dominant performance. I actually thought that Holly Holm was going to move a little bit more. I thought she was going to be a little bit more successful, and I thought she was going to be more active with her kicks at uh, at distance, but she tried to close the distance with a 1-2. And this is actually brought to my attention, too. If you notice, Chris Cyborg was able to determine when Holly Holm was going to strike, even if she would faint. You, Chris Cyborg was going to know when Holly Holm was going to strike because of the uh, enunciating of the strikes. Because even if she started to flinch, all Chris Cyborg would have had to do was brace herself or move away. Mm-hmm. So then that gave uh, Chris Cyborg notoriety of, okay, she's going to strike or she's going to lead or she's going to faint. All right, all I have to do is move away. Well, I could just counter or I could just move. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So she actually kind of set herself up to make Cyborg succeed. Yeah. While I was watching that fight, yeah, I mean there was. I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I mean there was victory. You know, parts where you know Chris, uh, Holly looked good, but exactly, it, it wasn't it wasn't enough to be. You know, I, I think maybe Chris she Cyborg won, was just way too big. Yeah, she won one round, and that was about it. I mean, and Chris Cyborg, I mean, she looks like a, a monster out there. Um, you the, know what? Holly Holm actually was sorry, but uh, Holly Holm was actually complaining about an eye poke at the end at the end of one of the rounds. Did you notice anything watching mm-hmm. that fight? No, no, sorry. Yeah, because at the post, that's fight, the, fir- this is the first time I'm at the. About First fight at the excuse me at the post fight interview with Holly Holm, uh, she said that uh, Chris Cyborg had actually poked her in the eye somehow. Mm. I mean, I didn't see that, and I don't think that was Not, really a, dis- a deciding factor, right? In the right, fight, I mean, right? I just didn't want to bring it up like, just to see if, it, if Chris Cyborg just looked like the better fighter. Yeah, I mean, she it was, wasn't. She was very active with her right hand in the counter. Whenever uh, Holly wanted to enter, she just had that right hand just right. Right at the counter, right when she wanted to enter. So yeah, I mean, that, I don't think there was anything to do with uh, eye poking. I think if it was anything, it was accidental. Um, I mean, Chris Cyborg just looked like an absolute monster, um, and, and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with her next. I, I, I'm hoping for the Amanda Nunes super fight. Yes, um, but also they gotta build up the featherweight division too. Yeah, they because do because there's one fighter in there right now, and it's Chris Cyborg. Right. There's no other featherweights right, right now that they have in there because Megan Anderson is not looking like she's fighting anytime soon. She's hasn't announced you know why she's taking this break. Um, she said it's for personal reasons. Reasons. Um, you got to respect that, but right now she's not a current fighter in the UFC. She hasn't been a current fighter in the UFC. She hasn't, you know, she hasn't been around. So there's one right. featherweight right now in the UFC featherweight division, the women's <clears throat> side, and it's Chris Cyborg. You need to build that division. You also need to give something for Chris Cyborg to do. I think the smart thing would do Amanda Nunez versus Chris Cyborg in Brazil. Um, I believe it's in May. That'd be an awesome headliner, awesome co-main. But they need to really do something with this featherweight division. Yeah, they it's have just to build the, Chris, the it's division. Just be the Chris Cyborg division. Pretty much. I mean, uh, you have bantamweights moving up from 135, going back down. It's inconsistent. It's, it makes the champion inconsistent. Uh, she's defending her title against, I mean, inconsistent fighters. And I say that in, in, the, in the sense that they keep moving up and down, so they can't necessarily find a home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I it's mean, a difficult situation. It's a tough situation. And most of these... You know, fighters, like you said, they're moving up. And they're not feeling comfortable at 145. It's not right. really a naturally fight. So, I mean, Chris Cyborg's getting an advantage there. Um, I want to see what Chris Cyborg, the best women's fighter 
probably right now, probably of all time. I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know if I could say that. Um, but you know, one of the one of the greats. Um, yeah. I want to see her be great, and I want to make sure that she's doing this against true competition. Right. And, and Amanda Nunes is going to be her hardest challenge probably in her career. Amanda Nunes used to fight at 145. Too. Yeah. But you know, she's been a 135er, so I don't right. really know. She's a champion at 135. Yeah. Uh, she's not a true 145er, so it's going to be interesting to see. That would um, be huge. What happens if she knocks out uh, Ronda? Be the first one to knock out Ronda and win the featherweight championship and, and have the bantamweight title. Well, and win over Misha. Yeah. And she, she, did she ever win over Holly? No, she didn't fight Holly. Okay. She's fought uh, Valentina Shevchenko twice. Yeah. And she has so she, uh, two wins over Valentina. And then she's got a loss against Katzingano. Yeah, that's Very crazy. Interesting. But that was it was young Amanda Nunez. And now Amanda Nunez looks like a total different fighter than yeah, that, that, that Cats and Gano fight. Um other fight I want to talk about. Um remember when I said that Habib Nurmagomedov's biggest fight was gonna be against himself and at the weigh in on Friday? That proved true as he absolutely obliterated Edson Barbosa. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm the smartest guy and the smartest analyst in MMA media, but I'm definitely spot on with that prediction, and that's the <laughs> most spot on I've been because that wasn't a fight I watched. That was just that was a mall. That was just practice for Habib Nurmagomedov. That was ridiculous what he did to Edson Barboza. Yeah, he put the pressure on Edson Barboza really good, and Edson Barboza, you saw the look on his face of oh my goodness, what is going on here? This guy fights at lightweight. I can't believe that's what that's what was being said when Ed, when I saw the look when you saw the look on Edson Barboza's face watching mm-hmm. the pay per view. Um, it was very interesting that uh, Khabib did not want to finish Barboza; that he wanted to go the full fifteen minutes. Yeah, because what people he said that right. Yeah, what people want to see or finishes, but everybody loves to see Khabib take everybody down and just beat him up. Yeah, I everybody mean, loves seeing that. Remember, Russia one hundred million, Ireland six million people, bunch of chickens. Make Khabib versus Connor because that's what I want to see. That's what everyone wants to see is they, the two best. I think they the two announced. Best lightweight. I think they announced uh, Khabib versus uh, Ferguson. Actually, I haven't. I haven't seen any news about that. Um, I think. The, I think the fight that they're trying to make next is uh, Khabib versus Ferguson. I mean, Connor should be stripped of the belt, but I, I haven't heard anything that they they're they they're seeing. Uh, I'm not seeing anything that they're seeing. Uh, you know, there's nothing official uh, announced for Khabib's next fight. Um, but you know, but I've, I have heard is that they want to do um, Tony versus Connor, and then Habib said that he would fight Eddie Alvarez if they made that fight because um, he wants to fight before Ramadan happens. So um, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what happens. But I think I think Habib deserves a title shot. I think I think Absolutely. he's a better fight. I think he's better than Tony Ferguson, and I feel like those two should be fighting. and Connor should be stripped because obviously Connor doesn't want to be fighting. I can't right say now. that because I haven't seen them fight yet. I think Tony Ferguson is a force to be reckoned with in the lightweight division. He's dangerous off of his back. He's got great wrestling himself. He's got good boxing, good striking, and he's very dangerous from both sides, both southpaw and orthodox. He works great angles, got very good footwork. He's a force to be reckoned with at lightweight, but Khabib is Khabib. Khabib. Believe Khabib Khabib. in Habib. Believe in Habib. All right? <laughs> I told you. You doubted me when I said that. And I remember. I didn't you, doubt you. You 100% I just, doubted I me. I doubt you. When we were doing the UFC 219 preview, you doubted me when I said that I this is not going to be a fight and that after the weigh-ins on Friday, if he's able to make weight, that was the biggest fight that he had because he's going to absolutely run over Edson Barbosa it was still on, a fight. on Saturday. Not really. I mean, it was Edson... a 30-24 on two cards. <laughs> That's not really a fight. I That's mean, domination. he lasted the whole 15 minutes. I got to give respect for Edson because Barbosa. Because Habib said that he let him last well, 15 yeah, minutes. But still, he's, he's, it's, 
If it were Habib any other corner, if it were any fight. other corner, they would have thrown in the towel, but they didn't. He toughed it out for 15 minutes. I'm not saying Edson Barbosa is a bad fighter. Edson Barbosa is a top five lightweight, in my opinion. <laughs> just Habib's number one. I'm not saying Habib that you're saying that he's one. a bad lightweight. Habib number one. I'm just saying that he's a tough guy. I'm so- and Khabib, Khabib is the best lightweight right now, but Ferguson he's is the, the interim f- champion, and Connor is an inactive champion. No, he's not. And He's not an active fighter. An active champion. No, I'm saying Connor's not an active fighter. Pretty much, he's inactive. Yeah, not active. He's uh, he should be stripped of his title, <clears throat> and it should be Habib versus Tony. I mean, he just for broke, the real belt. He just broke a record for the most, uh, for for the least uh, active fighter ever. Yeah, for over, least active over, champion over 400 days, I believe. Yeah, least active champion. It's a, it's a joke. He yeah. should be stripped of his, his title. It's. I it's, mean, well, if you win, if 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 you fight. If you fight Floyd Mayweather and you get paid fifty million dollars and you lost, I mean, I'm not blaming Conor for not fighting. I'm just <laughs> what saying else they you should. Gonna do? <laughs> they should be stripping him of his title. This isn't a Conor McGregor problem. This is a UFC problem. Strip Conor McGregor of his belt. He doesn't need that belt. You're holding up the lightweight division. There's two worthy competitors to be fighting yeah, for that belt right now. Nasty, there's and, a nasty and, log jam at and Tony Ferguson. Those two should be fighting, and, and they should be fighting for the belt. And Conor, if he wants to fight, they can. He can fight him after that. That fight happens in April or May. Um, whenever it does happen, I think it's got to happen before Ramadan, which is May fifteenth. So before May fifteenth, the the real fight should be happening between Habib and, and Tony, and where Habib's going to absolutely dominate Tony Ferguson. I have no problem saying that because he's the greatest fighter in, in the lightweight division right now. We don't know that because he's not the interim no, I champion. That. I know that. And you'll you'll just, you're not believing in Habib. I believe in Habib, but I nah, gotta give both of these not. fighters you're, their you're, shot. You're doubting Habib. You gotta give Ramadan. both of these fighters. You gotta see how both I'm, of these fighters are good. I, I Habib have, is really good at wrestling. Habib's really good at taking you down and beating you up. I know. But we haven't seen anybody counteract that wrestling. But when you look at Tony Ferguson, I mean, he's got the jujitsu and the wrestling. Mm-hmm. He's very good. Okay. He's extremely good. What do we talk about going into this fight? The, the Edson Barbosa fight. The, this take, is the this is the this is the best striker that. Habib Nurmagomedov has fought, Yeah, right? But Tony's beaten Barboza. He choked him out. Okay. What, what, but it wasn't as dominant as Habib's performance against Edson Barboza. Habib didn't let Edson breathe. There was no but Tony breathing choked allowed. Him out. Tony choked out Barboza. You're saying that Habib him. couldn't? He could have, Habib, but he didn't. Habib said that he was letting him survive. But he didn't. That is more, or he did. That is more badass than actually finishing him, in my mind. You are literally choosing to hold back from fighting him because you want to put more damage on your opponent. See, and he want he wanted to make sure that he could go f- like three rounds. If you that submit your a, if you submit your opponent and you finish him, that shows that you have the ability to finish anybody in that division. I think Habib has the ability to finish anybody in that division. Like I, I'm not just because he didn't well, do it doesn't see, mean he can't do it. We'd have to he, see him fight Tony then. I, I, if you're, if, we'd have if, to see him fight Tony. Habib then. versus Tony happens. Who are you picking? I'd probably end up picking Tony again. Okay, we will, we will make a bet, a gentleman's agreement. All right, we, we won't do any money or anything like that. Gentleman's agreement. What is this? How I met your mother? All right, what do you want to do then? What do you want to bet? <laughs> a gentleman's agreement. Huzzah! What do you want to bet? Don't sue us, CBS. What do you want to bet? I don't know, but you were you were. Well, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss what <laughs> we're going to bet. We're going to discuss what we're going to bet, but I will take Habib Nurmagomedov with against Tony Ferguson and against Conor McGregor. I will take Habib Nurmagomedov to be UFC championship by, champion by the end of twenty eighteen. Uh, see, Tony is already the uh, a UFC champion. So yeah, and I, I gotta I will give say him his props. Habib will be the <clears throat> UFC champion by twenty eighteen. I and, think though, I think they're going to fight for the vacant belt. I think they're going to strip Conor, and I think they're both going to fight for the vacant belt soon. I think they should. Where? I don't know. Um, let's and check. And when? 
I don't know. Uh, UFC events. Because it's going to happen around April because I think Tony's going to be, uh, what's it called, um, healthy by then because he just had surgery. Um, we got uh, April 7th, 2.23 in Brooklyn. There you go. No fights have been announced. Barclays Arena in New York. Habib versus Tony Ferguson for the lightweight belt. Be a big fight in New York. 2018. There you go. Be a big fight in New York. I think Ramadan lasts a month. If I'm correct, that means our boy, Habib Nurmagomedov, can defend his belt. um, Possibly at uh, UFC 220. And here's the thing. Khabib was slated to fight Tony twice already. And both times, I think Khabib pulled out due to weight cutting issues. Mm Mm-hmm. But now we show that he can make weight, and if he's able to do it again, I'm picking Habib anytime. The guy hasn't lost; he's not going to lose. Habib Nurmagomedov, number one fighter. I hope he makes weight. He's going to make weight. And he looked fantastic against Edson Barboza. He did, but I hope that isn't just due to everybody going, "Come on, Khabib." No, but he sw- <laughs> he switched. He switched nutritionists and everything, and he looked like he was absolutely. He looked in great shape. at the weigh-ins. Yeah, and he looked great in the fight. I think he's going to stick with that nutritionist. He has no reason not to. I think he's going to make weight. And he's still undefeated, 25-0. and 0. I think his next fight should be for gold, no Number matter what. Number one fighter. I, I agree. But if he if, if they go if they go Tony Connor, that makes sense because Tony right now is the interim champ, and Connor currently is the uh, the the actual UFC champion. champ. Yeah. So I mean, they should they should make that fight if Connor actually wants to fight. But if he's not, strip his belt and make Tony versus Khabib. Uh, anyways, any final Agreed. thoughts? Um, I mean, next week we got two great cards, UFC 220 and then Bellator 192. Great cards. Bellator 192 is Douglas Lima. He's going to be defending his welterweight title against the tough Rory McDonald. Can't wait. Oh, man, that's going to be great. And then Francis, yeah, Francis Ngannou is going to be taking on the UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Stipe Miocic. It's going to be fireworks. The fireman versus the predator. You're not it's going to be a monster movie. You're not even mentioning DC versus Vulcan. Vulcan that Ozdemir, that's, so that's right. Gonna be, that's a very top-heavy card with uh, Stipe versus Francis and uh, DC versus Vulcan. should be a fun one. We'll be previewing both cards on next week's show and also... Um, UFC or uh, Bellator 192 uh, is going to have uh, Mike Goldberg and Big John McCarthy on That's commentary. That's right. Something I'm super excited for. Listen Big to Big John. John. Yeah, Big John uh, has replaced uh, Jimmy Smith. Yeah, on commentary. Yeah, and I F- think Jimmy Smith's in contracts talk with the UFC, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We'll talk about that all next week on the MMA Minutes. For Danny Gutierrez, I'm Sean Anderson. If you haven't heard Big John McCarthy commentate, he's a great commentator. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.